Welcome to another episode of A Pint with Shoney B coming to you from Kinsale in County Cork, a sunny September. And that means it's the Kinsale Sharks Advertising Awards. I've got a great guest uh, with me today. It's an honour and a privilege actually to be uh, meeting this guy. He's the CEO, uh, sorry, he's the new, as of yesterday, chairman <laughs> of DNAD, which would be, for those who are listening who don't know advertising, probably the preeminent in terms of quality award show and has been since its founding in probably 1960s, wasn't it? It was 1962, Sean. Um, and uh, he's also a doyen. Can I call you a doyen now at this stage? I'm, We're getting, I'm you're flattened. getting up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am nearly as well. <laughs> he's had a 36-year ad career where he's worked at um, some of the best agencies in the world, including BBH. And uh, his name is Tim Lindsay. How are you? Very well, thank you. He's just arrived in, haven't you? I was this morning. Yeah. It's my first time here as well. Yeah. And I, I can't believe I've not been before it's just so yeah. lovely as you say it's sunshining it's a beautiful place it seems to always uh hike up its skirt every time the sharks oh, are on can say because like it's any town in ireland is lovely if it's sunny yeah. what you have to do is go over in the middle of november uh, when it's dark at four o'clock and there's been a four, yeah. <laughs> congratulations on your new job thank you very much or you, is it a new job it's not it's a it's a promotion it's actually uh, i'm stepping up so it means i'll be there less time i, I do it three days a week I actually do more you know, I'm paid for three days a week yeah same my job yeah and uh, not many CEOs get to cho- uh, you know help choose their successor and we're in that process now and actually DNA is in a very good place sort of financially and I think I hope I believe actually reputationally and it needs someone else you know to mm. kick it on for the next yeah. whatever you five were nine years, years a CEO you? I was yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's and I, I think we have done alright without you know blowing our own trumpet mm. too much but it needs someone with you know, new enthusiasm, new energy. Yeah. I still love it. I'm, I hasten to add, it's not. It's not. I got bored with it or anything. I actually love it as an organisation. Yeah. But it just needs some fresh impetus, yeah. actually. So Tim, I think it's a good time. Tim did a presentation. We, he literally just finished, and now he's doing this one. So fair, fair play to him. I did buy him a pint. We are actually having. A we pint are drinking of black stuff. Very um, delicious. It is too. But you are. You, you know. You, you. Your presentation was loosely around the idea of why awards are still important. You talked about the big issues of the planet and how they impact on the advertising business, and I'd like to talk about that. Yeah. Why are advertising awards still important? There is a kind of laundry list of good things that they do. They're a way of keeping score. They're a way of individual talents and companies you know, marketing themselves. The good work generally produces better outcomes than the not good work, whether that be commercially or culturally or socially or mm-hmm. politically even. They encourage innovation and experimentation. Do we need as many no. ad awards as oh we have? Oh, my God, Sean. There are 800... Apologies, can sale are, if you're listening. 801 yeah. uh, advertising and design awards around the world. Mm. Someone has accounted because they put a website together. Mostly and for profit? Most of them for profit. There are a good smattering of not-for-profits, mm. like, like yeah. DNAD. A good many of them actually use at least some of the money to you know put back into the industry for training or... Mm-hmm. You know other things. We put all our money back in, primarily via the New Blood program, which is a sort of conveyor belt of talent in, out into the industry. Uh, and we campaign for gender balance and greater diversity and so on, in the belief that those things will make the industry better. Yes, and I agree. We'll talk the about better. them a bit later. Sure. Yeah. The sustainability part, you very, yeah. you very honestly mumbled that <laughs> DNAD's carbon footprint. Um, isn't the greatest the industry's carbon footprint isn't the greatest the amount of stuff that goes into entering awards for one 
is ridiculous, you know, in terms of the, the amount yeah. of plastic and paper and everything that we spend. Your presentation took on all of the big issues, diversity, consumption, overconsumption, sustainability, ethics, all of the things that I'm very triggered by yeah. in terms of my my journey in advertising, which the people in the podcast will probably talk about a lot before. Yeah, yeah. But at the root of it all, and you, you did say this, is our implicitness in driving consumption and capitalism with the pimps of capitalism. Yep. And you also tempered it with this nice quote from the head of Dentsu, which is, you know, an ad agency can solve any problem in the world. Yeah. Isn't the biggest problem of the world that the advertising is used to, con- is to, to solve overconsumption? Sure, I think so. And, but I'm not, I, I think I also said, I'm not a clever enough person or a clever enough economist to be able to describe how, I mean, I think it's it's generally accepted now that we now and future generations will have to ex- have to get by with less. We'll have to travel less, or we'll have to travel in a cleaner way. And technology may well enable that. Would probably that. be the answer. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll have to own less. We probably, you know, our houses will have to be built smarter. Mm. And I, 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 I'm a truly optimistic person, and I believe technology will help us solve these problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the solutions to climate change is it the most simple solution of all, which is to plant more trees. Yeah. And actually, Instead Greta Thunberg and George Monbiot of The Guardian have been talking about this in the press today. A tree is cheap, grows itself yeah. pretty yeah. much, yeah. and it you know sucks in carbon. And, and so deforestation is actually one of the major, major causes of the problems we're in, as well as extraction and... and uh, Advertising cannot in any way address these issues, mm. but we have to admit the things that we do, which is to persuade people to change their behaviour, generally we're speaking, good at that. we're good at That's our skill. That is an incredibly important skill going forward because people are going to have to change their behaviour and be persuaded to do so. I worked for you. 10 years on, with P&G, and yeah. of course we had our eagle eye always on Unilever. Yeah. And in the, in the past eight years since Pullman took over and left yeah. in that job, you know, Pullman started by saying one of his big new things was when he started was he wasn't going to give short term uh, reports to financial. No, no quarterly reports. So you're, you're, yeah, yeah. you're either here with us or you're not. Absolutely. Jope is now talking about removing products that are unsustainable. Yeah. Not hearing huge, huge amounts of squeaks out of P&G as I thought I might, but yeah. they probably follow. Yeah. That's the sort. And, you know, you showed one of the things that in your presentation, you showed this idea which was called a NAVME which was the three words in the planet thing, right? Oh, three-word address. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, yeah. this is an idea that was, I think, about five or six years it old was. now. It it's was, a, yeah. It's a while ago. It was a yeah. can, I thought, where the whole world is divided into foot-by-foot foot grids of three words. So I could be living in Murphy, Guinness, Heineken. That's the name of my address instead of a whole bunch of numbers or yeah. codes or anything. Yeah. And this is, when you showed it there, you still look and you still go, what an amazing idea. Yeah. Where is it, though? It never really happened. It has happened in some countries. Brazil, right. it's, quite, it's in quite uh, Favelism, br- broad use in, in Brazil, yeah. actually. But you're right, it, it didn't... We've had five iPhones since. We've had six... Take off. Yeah. It didn't take off and conquer the world. And, you know, of that two or three billion people who don't have a, a regular address, it, it hasn't had a massive impact on, yeah. on that. It hasn't reduced that number by, you know, significant... So not up to the ad industry to deliver. No. The ad industry has the idea... There's a problem with the delivery, even the solar energy power, solar power thing as well. You know, there's loads of great ideas. Yeah. You know, my, 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 I like it to the old Kennedy moonshot thing, yeah. where it's like, 
you know, we would put a man on the moon, and like he said, it's about a Kennedy impression, 61. <laughs> and they fucking did, right? It needs, and, and, and not just in advertising and marketing and, and commerce, it needs big gestures. I think it needs, like, you know, we talked about Unilever, but it needs, it needs the entire industry to stop advertising for a year and do something with that money. Yeah. And, and still pay their agencies to do something about the problem. Big, big things, which See, companies I, like your DNAD, I think, could be at the at the leading edge of. Yeah, I think it needs both. I think yeah. it does need big gestures, and it needs big organisations to mm. take meaningful action. But actually, I think small things can also have an influence over time because they're copyable. Yeah. So that that other piece I showed, Inglorious Fruits and Vegetables, which has also been around yeah, for a this while. This is an idea from France, which was. A lot of the producers of vegetables, if the fruit looks ugly and doesn't doesn't actually stack up in terms of what a carrot looks like, like it's got two heads or something, it's still a carrot, and they used to throw them away. Yeah. One of the companies, La Marche, was it? Uh, it was Marchette, Intermarché. Intermarché. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, supermarket in France decided, we're going to buy all that stuff, which is obviously cheaper, and then they were able to give better yeah. um, nutrition to poorer people, right? Yeah, well, yes. at lower prices. At so, lower prices, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they executed it very beautifully. Yeah. 20% of something like 20% of produce is thrown, yeah. literally thrown away. No, I mean, not even consumed by animals. Yeah. So I think that in, in and of itself was not massively significant, but it's been copied all over the world. Yeah. You know, that was a small idea that grew big. Yeah. I, I think it can work sort of top down and bottom up. You know, our shift program, this night school for people without uh, mm. qualifications, in, in and of itself, it's not significant. You know, we put dozens, not hundreds yeah. of people through the program. But the industry has understood that this is now a significant Absolutely and, right. and, and you know good place to look for talent. So, so yeah. DNAD have a, a thing called New Blood Shift. The um, advertising and marketing industry, advertising in particular, has got a terrible reputation in terms of its inclusivity and diversity and ability to hire people from both demographically, race, every sort of thing. It's got a very bad reputation. Against. Someone says it's white, three white men in a room, <laughs> usually who all went to college together. Um, and so they've set up this thing, which is, a, any. I think, you, I love the line, which was, I think the, the only rules for qualifications for entering is it's that you have no qualifications. Have yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I love that, you know, the, the fact that you're a non-for-profit means you do that. And the white pencil award that you launched a few years ago with the next guest of mine, um, Rosie Arnold, these things start with one voice, revolution start with one voice. And there's no doubt that the pipeline of ideas needs to be continually, you know, that monkey needs to be continued, yeah. that grinder needs to be continually turned. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, you've started in New York and London and you're planning to do one in Sydney and, yeah. and that will grow. I mean, your point is well made, we will get better ads. That's the po- that is yeah. the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not about that we're just being nice to for people of no. color or whatever. Well, we actually, that's good too. Yeah, I know. But like those people have ideas that are better than you know what, what we come up with. Yeah, and that, I mean that's why I think DNAD is kind of Teflon in the award discussions because it's a it, because of the nature of the organization. Can I think where they're sending out two and a half thousand? I may have got that number wrong. It could be eight hundred or something, but it's some ridiculous number of goals, right? I mean, it's like, there's a lot, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, and like, I think it's a Grand Prix, yeah, yeah. But you know, it becomes like you know your 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 goal line. It can can be a you know doorstop in your bathroom, you know. Whereas sure. you, I think even when I was growing up in the eighties, anyone who won a pencil, you know, or a black, you know, anyone who won any sort of pencil, yeah. yeah. You kept it like the Oscars. I wrote a piece saying, you know, Cannes has jumped the shark. Sorry, Gonzalo again, but you know, it was. <laughs> yeah. It's just got too 
bloated and fat and you know Oscars you win there's five main categories D&AD there's five or six main winners they need to come back to that because they're just you can... it's hard for them to do that I'm, no, I'm never rude about can except in a jokey way I mean they are our major competitor and they're very much for profit you know they're yeah. PLC they, they have yeah. shareholders and you know and highly paid executives and all that mm. uh, they, they do some really good things for the industry one of the good things they did was get clients interested and, you know, back in the early yeah. noughties, they started to, you know, P&G, it was actually, yes. McDonald's came first, finally, P&G get the credit for having kind of arrived en masse. Well, and, I was there with uh, Bob Isherwood. Well, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. yeah. And, you know, going, oh my God, creativity, that sounds, sounds interesting. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't quite like that. But the trouble with that is what happened was it became first a client fest and then a kind of ad tech fest. Well, um, before you go into the ad, yeah, yeah. a wider yeah. problem with that, because I was on the ground with yeah, it, yeah, yeah. was it gave the client the pass that said the real work. And what I mean by this is, I'm not saying the stuff was all scam, but it was. if I call a scam ad for a, for a P&G product, it's a Gillette razor ad that is done specifically for award purposes. It does go up in a poster, it does go out in the print, but yeah. all the two billion guys who see all the usual shit from Jet never see that, yeah, right? Of course, yeah. So the, the, it gave the clients a pass to say, yes, we're being very creative. Yeah. But it also gave the pass to say, we don't have to be as creative now in the real stuff. But you're right. And that happened all over the place. Yeah. And, and it was driven where I was from Asia, actually. I mean, the whole scam thing started out there with, 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 with some of the company. Well, no, well, we probably, <laughs> well, we could say Neil French, maybe, because he wouldn't yeah, give a yeah. shit anymore. But, you know... Um, and they put, you know, and yes, you can see the idea. Get the creatives motivated inside the agency. Get them winning awards. Get them on the campaign brief list of the top. I mean, when we were inside, you may have even picked this up. We got into a lot of trouble. It may be from you as well. We create myself and Andy Greenaway created a fake copywriter called Roger McCack. Okay, mm. Roger, <laughs> Roger McCack means kind of fuck my ass or whatever. And he had a monkey. There was a picture of him with a monkey on him. And we got all our creatives in Saatchi in Asia to allow him to go on their award entries to see how far up the ladder we could get him, okay, so to speak. Yeah. So, you know, year one, Roger McCack debuts at number 12 on the list. And then by the time, you know, two years ago, he's number one. And all of them, they're trying to headhunt him and he has his own email. <laughs> it, all, it all came tumbling out at AdFest. But like, Cam were so angry about it and the gun report were freaking out and everyone was like, and even, even cool. Sachi New York were pissed off at us for being such children about the it, whole thing. It had a little, as a similar joke and demonstration of the ridiculousness of the whole thing, someone got a restaurant to the top of the TripAdvisor league table. That's right. which didn't it was exist. in his back garden or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, it didn't exist. They actually didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. They were just all fake reviews and it crept up. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. That's where I wanted to go. So sort of. Yeah, I, sorry. I, in response to that, I'd say that for every good, there's an ill. You try and push something forward and there are always unintended consequences. And what happens is, as clients become more risk averse, agencies get frustrated. And they want to demonstrate how brilliant they are because they're full of innovative, ambitious, creative people. Were. And if they, yeah, were, yeah. Joking, joking. And if they can't do it on real work, they'll do it on fake work. Mm. And and all, all this stuff sort of obeys the letter of the law, but a lot of yeah. it breaks the spirit yeah. of it. So you know, all, all the big shows now, are, you know, we we make people basically sign affidavits to say yeah, that the stuff was for a real product, it was a real brief, it did run, and the client paid for it. Yeah. But. I mean, there's a lot of, you could drive a bus through that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no, an awful know, lot of leeway. No, and unfortunately, a lot of work doesn't have a real impact. It never affects. And then something glorious comes along, like Tide, for instance, mm. 
which actually was from Saatchi New York. Yeah, it was, yeah. And it's just an ad for a detergent. It's got no purpose. It's just a brilliant ambush, yeah. a piece of ambush marketing. Yeah, and, and we're actually quite pleased when that something like that yeah. wins at D&D because it reminds us about how we get paid at any rate. <laughs> Allspice you know I mean? was another one. It which, was, yeah. And Allspice, again, interesting because it got thrown to Wyden Kennedy as a dying brand yeah. and it was like kicked into the sandpit and they didn't have all the link testing and all the rubbish that That's P&G right. put on top of everything and they got it out. Well, and then I think that was a condition of them taking it. Actually. It was. But yeah, then yeah, when yeah. it got out, they went, oh, yeah. it is successful. <laughs> they went in again. You were you were working in BBH at the, for a long period of time. Oh, just through most of the eighties, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which was, you know, they were the greatest agency in the world, in my view. And well, you don't agree. I think they were. I love. I saw John Hattie last night and Rosie actually yeah. worked with both of them for a long time, and uh, I think they were brilliant at certain kinds of products, and mm. they where they weren't so good. This is back in the day, yeah, but it's still sort of true. They weren't good at mass market brands. So we had we got Shell and Matt West back in the eighties and didn't do great work on either mm. of them. It was things like Audi and Levi's and more kind of niche, maybe even luxury brands that actually they gave a gloss and a sexiness to. They were really, really good at that. I met John in Cannes when he just been ordered the Saint Mark Award, yes. whatever that is. And yeah. you know, he gave me he was very he's a very nice guy. He he's gave, me, gave me so much time. But I, I remember asking him, you might, you might be interested in ask, asking this question. I said, like, you know, because, yes, Audi and Levi's and Phineas Fogg and yeah. Pretty, Pretty Polly and no, you, all you of that. You remember more than I did. All really, of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But that was me going, you know, I said to him, that was me. That was why I joined the business. Because yeah. I said, I'm going to make Irish hats that are just as good as those. Yeah. And then I said, you're still there, though, John, right? What the fuck happened? And he went, planners. Did he? Yeah. That's unfair. He was joking. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. kind of joking, but he said, yeah. he, "No, he, he knew I was a planner." So he said, planner. Sure, but he, yeah. he said, what he meant, I think, was overthinking, yeah. being risk averse, and appealing to lowest common denominator." And I think yeah. they were, that that third wave was the last of it. You know, yeah. and then it kind of went away. And it, I don't, it, I, is there any chance of it coming back? I don't think we're going to see a sort of new generation of ad agencies necessarily that create. A wonderful credit revival and a new golden age and all the rest of it. I think there are lots of companies out there doing innovative stuff. I mean, there are companies like Smarts in Belfast, which is a PR company. I've never heard of them. Yeah. So I'm I'm so I'm involved with other parts of that company. I'm non-exec yeah. chairman of the advertising brand, which is called The Gate. I use them as an example. They do fantastic work for Diageo. Really great content, and there is great work coming from all kinds of unexpected places mm. not necessarily advertising agencies although there are still interesting advertising agency startups but you know things like Unco- Uncommon and so on where people are doing it because they genuinely want to do something mm. different and brilliant mm. but well, will we see another generation of ad agency traditional ad agency startups I don't think so actually I think the economics of the whole the game economics changed, yeah, yeah. although we do have situations where Anyone who can leave major big agencies is kind of leaving at the moment and doing stuff like that. Share prices are starting to fall. They're starting to disintegrate. WPP, etc. You know, I think David Jones said the, the major holding companies have lost you know five billion of yeah. share price value over the last whatever. It wasn't very long. It was like the last two years or something. I mean, they are. I'm, some of them are doing still managing to grow, but they're all under enormous pressure. And it's not the ad agency parts of their empires that are growing. It's all yeah. the, the media and the strategy and the research and, you know, yeah. the, the PR, the other bits. I'm sorry to see it happen, but I think the big network agencies are 
doomed. Almost too. It's almost too late for them to yeah, kind I of. Agree you know, with that. And then what to, comes out of that? Yeah. Um, I was at a conference, and you've been at them all your life, where someone like you or me or a creative director goes up and says, "It's now more than ever time to be more creative." Mm. Lesbianet and Peter Field and IPA and <laughs> emotional advertising and ROI and blah blah blah. And it's like a cognitive dissonance. It's like kind of yeah. as that proof and evidence has become more concrete, the quality of work, in my view, has yeah. gone down. It's right? There very, are loads of brilliant ideas. It's a great observation. Um, but the actual nine fifteen or Muse at ten ad break quality is non-existent now. No. And they all say, yeah, we'd love to do it, but, you know, we have certain extenuating circumstances in the car business right now, so everyone has to be just driving into puddles and looking like a ballad. There's no... That part of it is the biggest travesty, in my view, in the ad business, if you look back over 30 years. And yet we keep... I guess there's just people coming up after us saying, no, we have to keep doing emotional work that makes people no, cry or well, laugh or whatever. It's what I was saying earlier. People used to like advertising, and yeah. now they fucking hate it. Yeah. That is a big and change. Way, that graph can go over as yeah, well. You know? That is a big, big change. We make something that people hate and actively try to avoid. Whereas before they embraced it because there was a contract and a deal and it was understood. I'll tell you the, the example. I, I, I am genuinely an optimistic person. Yes, I know. But where what you've just described is most starkly illustrated is in outdoor. Yeah. Because a, a, post, a great poster yeah. was in a way the greatest expression of our skills and craft and art. A six-word headline, a beautiful yeah. visual, you know, and a logo. That's yeah. an ad. And some of them are, you know, the most memorable adverts ever Every, made. Yeah. Outdoor advertising is absolutely Rubbish. shit now. It's just horrible. I mean, I've, it, I've just written... I, an, it's unbelievable. I, I, you know, yeah. I've just written an article about it, and part of it I wrote... In the, that's something I wrote in the article. And Guinness are an ex-client of mine. I don't care if they're listening. It was like the last 20 posters in Ireland, in yeah. their hometown, look like they have been created by a 15-year-old yeah. boy with crayons on his lunch break, right? <laughs> yeah. They are that bad. If you were in a school of advertising and someone came to you, you wouldn't let them in. And I'm kind of going, what the fuck? It's not just that the idea's are bad or the art direction is bad. They're just illegible. Yeah. I mean, you and see car stupid, ads by, you know, by the side of the road and digital outdoor, you know, and it's kind of about, you know, 90% of the type is unreadable. And you think, what? why bother? Yeah. But anyway, That's we could right. go. We could go on yeah, about yeah. it. Where, where? What is your background? Where were you uh, born? Oh, uh, I was born in England. Uh, well, but I was, that, yeah. yeah but but I was brought up in East Africa. Oh, were you in Rhodesia. Kenya? No, no, Kenya and Uganda. Okay. And my parents. What was that like? It was fantastic. Oh my god, it was a very privileged upbringing. So my parents were teachers. So, so you had the whole colonial upbringing, did you? Uh, it was post-colonial, just. Yeah. So we went to Uganda in 1964 when it, right. when it had just achieved independence. It was still very colonial, believe me. Yeah. I mean. There were these sort of English-style prep schools in Kenya, the world yeah. then. So I went to, and then when I was 13, I came back to school in England. I went to university. So Did I, you I was, have a happy childhood? Yeah, uh, very happy. Yeah, 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 really, really happy. Yeah, yeah. And I have three siblings. I'm, I'm the oldest. And was, what got you into the ad business? Uh, <laughs> so when I was still at university, I um, became a father. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which was not planned, but was hugely welcome. Yeah. And my son is now 42. Um, Amazing. He's my eldest. And I, I did want to be a journalist, actually. And I, I was sort of heading in that direction. I still get more pleasure out of writing an article than almost anything. I and I get the opportunity to do that. So as, do um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I had to... My partner had to be in London. I mean, she had been due to go to art college and she deferred a year. And, and I had to earn some money. And so it was a complete accident. Yeah. 
but a happy one. Uh, well, at that time, in it was, at that time, it was like advertising was accepting people from all walks of life. It was you yeah, reference to, you know, you used well, to start the print room, and if you showed a bit of yeah, completely. I talked about it just now. You know, definitely credit departments were quite diverse because there were yeah. a lot of working class blokes mainly who'd been to art college in Newcastle or Manchester or wherever happened, yeah. come to London, join an ad agency. And there was, as you absolutely rightly say, there were all kinds of other routes in. You could mm. come in and work as a secretary and become a TV producer. Yeah. You could come in through the post room and become a designer. Yeah. But there aren't any post rooms now because there's no. no post, basically. So. <laughs> um, are we going to be run? But are basically we wasting our breath because uh, computers are going to do it all for us? No. No way. No, I, I, I think there's, there's quite a lot of research that says the um, professions, if we can call ourselves, <laughs> that will be least penetrated by AI, other, other credit, even the creative industries. Yeah. I mean, it will affect us for sure. And the ones that are most uh, going to be most penetrated are actually things like accountancy, medicine, the law. Because and the manual labors of truck drivers and stuff like that. Yeah, can, yeah. yeah, driverless will affect that. But the, but the professions as we understand them, are going to be seriously affected by it. But let's just take what you just said about outdoor. Yeah. And how bad it is right now. What's the stop of just being, Hi Dave, welcome to the world of Coke. You really enjoy your bottle when you get home tonight because yeah. you're driving home. I mean, it's not far off that right now and people are designing it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there will, be, there will be an element of that. Tim's uh, face is looking at it program- Programmatic. <laughs> I mean, we'll come, come with a you know, high yeah. level of automation. I mean, that's what's made people loathe what we do. It's, you know, being chased around the internet by, Hounded. you know, an ad, you know, for chinos because you have to buy a pair of chinos. Do and you've already ago. bought them. Usually you've already bought <laughs> them. It's like, do you want to look there? Exactly. <laughs> Not really. No, I'm going to wear these out first. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, part of, I have, can't, you know, have to have a British person here in the middle of Brexit crap. What's, what, where are you, uh, where's your optimism for the future of your own country? Well, it is a ghastly self-inflicted wound, as many people have observed. It is polarised society. It's made political and all other forms of discourse yeah. violent and unpleasant. And actually, I, I'm absolutely 100% you know, for Remain. Yeah. I think we'll have to leave now and yeah, so go I. through that process and you know, come back with our cap in hand, yeah. you know, hopefully as soon, yeah, as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, but... I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen right now. Do you have an opt? You said you're very optimistic. Do you have an optimistic view of humanity and the and the future of the world? Yeah, I genuinely believe that there are quite hopeful solutions. Mm. Some of them technological. Some of them because actually there will. I think things change very slowly and then they start start to change quickly. And I think we're we're on one of those sort of cusps at the moment. Yeah, where there's a sort of mass realisation that we have to actually do something right now. You know, we've, we've done nothing about it in the knowledge that we needed to. And now I think people will start to act. I think when people like me, middle class people, mm. you know, reasonably kind of well off and so on, start to change their behaviour. It needs like a live aid moment. You know, a bit like what I said I, earlier at the start. It needs a kind of a... It does. One, like the top five advertisers in the world have said, we're just in, all deciding to not advertise for you and we're going to do this. With yeah, the money. yeah. And it's then good. the other 10 go, oh, fuck, we do the same. And then we suddenly, yeah. And then That's it, a great Something thought. like that could... It could. Could take off. Yeah, and it's not just that. You know, it, it, it is, we talked about it a little bit earlier. You know, we have, you know, we're going to have to eat less rapidly. We're going to have to travel less. Yeah. We're going to have to buy electric. We're going to have to insulate our houses. We're going to have to recycle. We're going to... 
And I, I genuinely, just anecdotally, observe those things happening with much well, greater frequency. We're in the middle of a beef crisis here because, you know, the, the, the argument in Ireland is, well, we're only 3 million people and yep. we only contribute 0.000 emissions and we also make the meat for lots of other countries and blah, blah, blah. And yes, we have to reduce our herd and we reduce our herd maybe over time, but we have to put some ideas in, like maybe only restaurants are allowed to serve meat three days a week. Right? And we manage the decline over five, ten years. And, and that new meat that's coming, which apparently is designed to taste just like old meat. I can't believe it's not meat. Probably would be a good name for it. Yep. Um, but, but I'm not seeing enough of these yeah. things. So the, as I said earlier in the podcast, the ideas are all there. But there's just the, the implication that it's political and politicians are, are act. We almost need new politicians. It's a bit like oh. a man out in the Ukraine. Oh, yeah, so, you know, he just brought all his mates in and rock stars, and they're all going, "Fuck, that's wrong. Do that." You know, I mean, yeah. that's probably going to end in disaster anyway. Yeah. But um, the last question I say to most of my guests, and I didn't realize you were uh, living out in, when you were younger in yeah. Um, yeah. Africa. What would you say to that kid who was running around the savannah? Oh, oh fuck! I mean, back for, for whatever I said to him, he would not understand. So mm. because sort of my adult experiences are so removed from all that. I mean, I, I went to boarding school in the UK from the age of 13, and I went to a Methodist school, of which I'm now governor, actually. Uh, it was founded by John Wesley, the founder of, one of the founders of Methodism. Are you still religious? I'm not at all religious. Right. I'm, That's I Methodism. Yeah, I, I, but I believe in some of that ethos, which is... You know, to the best of your ability, do good. Yes. I think it's going to sound very biased. No, I, I work I'm, a complete, I'm also a complete hedonist as well. You know, I yeah. drink and but I it's, don't it's about being on, not being unkind. Exactly. I think roundabout acts of kindness and mm. actually using whatever position you've managed to attain in the world to at least be in part a force for good. Mm. I think that's very important, actually. Yeah. And I wouldn't have said that 10 years ago because part I would have been afraid of sounding pompous. But I think it is important to say it now. I mm. think people, we ha we actually have to use our talent, skills, abilities, and positions to try and nudge, you yeah. know, society in a better direction. And there is, that and, is. and the the society is moving towards insularism, popular, you know, popular yeah, turn, yeah. and you know what we have, we hold. You know, and the middle class is under pressure. You know, yeah. and we're. It, you is. Know. it is. It really. So, is. what would you say to the kid? I'd say. I'd say a number of things, actually. I'd say do what you feel you should do, not what will earn you the most money. And gain skills and be interested and outward-looking and, you know, manufacture the opportunities for chance encounters because the more situations of people you meet, I think the richer you become. I'd have lots of good advice of that sort, I think. And um, I'd probably say don't go into advertising. <laughs> Even though advertising has been extremely good to me, uh, I think maybe kind of hold on to your original ideal and pursue it even if there are sort of barriers erected in the form of starting a family or whatever yeah. so yeah. yeah Tim Lindsay keep pushing the great <laughs> ideas on the world thank you for being on a point with Sean sure. being the gaffer so it's great to meet you oh gee thank you very much man really enjoyed it oh.